Hey everyone, welcome back to Chat Cemetery. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Becky Rice, in person, sitting on my couch. She is sitting on the couch, I am not. I'm on the couch. And we just watched Mr. Harrigan's phone. Becky, how are you feeling? Um, it's weird to be doing this in person. Um, have you have you ever recorded any of these episodes in person, Deanna? I sure have not. <gasps> oh my gosh. I love to be the first. This is this rocks. We almost did an in-person episode of Welcome to Geekdom. Was that for the Batman? Yeah. It was too complicated. It was too complicated for me to fly with microphones and stuff. But now you live down the street. Now I live down the street. From me, not from the Batman. Yeah. Just just for clarification <laughs> in case anybody was confused. So we just watched the movie. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. It is. We have not discussed how either of us feel about it yet. We haven't. I actually thought about telling you that we should each log our reviews on Letterboxd without speaking to one another um, <laughs> about what we thought about the film um, and then look at them right before recording. But I think that maybe this is better. We're going in having not spoken about it at all. Yeah. And it's my fault because I was very hungry and I literally just shoveled food in my face and was like, all right, let's go. That's okay. We're we're trying a new format today, folks. Yes, we are. But this movie has a pretty small cast. It pretty does. small. It does. Um, there's not really a lot of like speaking characters. I mean, I guess... There's makes, lots of extras. There are a lot of extras. There are a lot of um, main town folk. Um, but in the story itself, right, because it's just, it's a short story. It's not like a novella or a 7,000 page novel, like your typical, uh, Stephen King (laughs) fair. Um, so there's not really a lot of time to get attached to characters, um, which I think is why I like, (laughs) I like when Stephen King writes a short story. Um, if anybody remembers me (laughs) from previous episodes, um, one of which is actually, um, the the collection of, if it I, I know what it is. <laughs> I was trying to think of what to call it. Um, but I, you know, previously did the episode for If It Bleeds. Um, and this story is actually the um, the first story in that. Um, and if I remember correctly, it was the one that both of us retained the most information from and like, I think enjoyed the best out of that collection. Um, and so I was a little bit surprised to see it being turned into a movie, but also not that surprised because Netflix has kind of done some other like Netflix original films off of some Stephen King works. Um, I know um, the sexy one, Gerald's Game. <laughs> that one's good. That one was really good. I Yeah. That one, that one was really good. I thought it was a really good adaptation. It's fantastic. Um, I like that story. I liked I liked the, the movie. Um, the corn one. There's one with corn. Oh, in the tall grass? Yeah. Is Oh, it's not corn. It's, it's grass. Okay. <laughs> it is a field that very much looks like it's just a different version of Children of the Corn, but in the tall grass is a story he wrote with his son, Joe Hill. Yes. That one was fine. It was on the good side of fine. It was like fine plus... I didn't love it, but I think I liked it, but I didn't think too it's much. a weird one. I didn't think too much about it. I don't remember anything about it, but I, I think that I was like, this is a little bit better than fine. Here's the thing, folks. I'm not a Stephen King expert. And if you've ever heard me on this podcast, you might think that I don't like Stephen King at all. And I am also questioning that myself uh, recently with Deanna. Um, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job here. De- Deanna, what's the other one? There's another one. There's another King Netflix movie. 
1922. Yeah, that one. Thomas Jane. Yeah, I did not watch that one. I don't think. I think that one was fine. Gerald's Game is by far the best of them so far. And I think a lot of that has to do with you and I both love a lot of what Mike Flanagan has done. Who is that? I know who that is. Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor. He did all of those. Dr. Sleep, maybe to a lesser extent for you, but... I didn't like it. I liked Dr. Sleep, so... (laughs) I don't care for or about Dr. Sleep as a as a book. Um and so I think that that had a lot to do with me not liking the movie. Yes, um, probably. Also the score is overpowering in that in that movie, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um <laughs> no, but on the note of the cast, oh, I would love to talk about Dr. Sleep though. <laughs> I really would because I don't like it. I feel like I'm always coming on this podcast to be like, let me tell you what I don't like about Stephen King. Um <laughs> But Jada Martell, obviously, returning to Ooh. Stephen King from It. Oh, the Knives Out kid. Yes, also the Knives Out kid. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Oh, he is. He's, um, oh my gosh. Yeah, he is the kid from It. Yeah. I, <laughs> when we were watching. He's Bill. Yeah, yeah, I know that <laughs> now. I just, I mean, I knew it before. I just wasn't thinking about it. And when I was watching, I was like, I was like, I know this kid. I've seen this kid. And I was like, Knives Out. That is. And then I was done. I just like checked out. The thing about me is that like, and I think Deanna, you're going to say that this is not true because you saw me taking notes during this. And also when we, um, when we did the episode for um, Bly Manor and Haunting of Hill House, um, actually Haunting of Hill House, I can't remember if this happened this way because I think I, I had just already seen it. I didn't watch it for the podcast. I'd already seen it. And then we did the episode. Um, But Bly Manor, um, we kind of were texting each other back and forth as we were watching it. And so I think that you know that I was like taking notes um, as I was doing it. And you saw me taking notes during this. But I try really hard to like not be on my phone or like look at things. You've you've been to the movies with me or, or watched other things. I try to just like immerse myself in the environment that the film wants me to be in. Um which is why I'm easily spooked uh, at the cinema when I'm watching a scary movie, which is going to bring me to, I think, my first complaint uh, about about this, is that it's not scary. Yeah, the story felt way more intense than I think watching this felt because it also skipped over some stuff. Like towards the beginning of the story, I think his dad was like more concerned about this relationship that was budding between him and Mr. Harrigan and was like making sure nothing inappropriate was happening to his son. And that just like does not happen here. Yeah, that that part gets kind of like tossed out. Like the only real mention of any concern about it is that he's like, oh, like if your mother were still alive, she would, you know, be rolling in her grave that I was letting you kind of like hang around. Mr. Harrigan. Was Mr. Harrigan's first name? Mr. John. John. I think is what he said. Yeah, he says John Harrigan. He doesn't yeah. call him Mr. Harrigan. And and you kind of understand, you know, like, okay, like he, you know, some, he doesn't have the best reputation. He's kind of like a seedy business guy. And so that, that kind of makes sense. And then that's it. I actually, I think I had forgotten that you, um, or that, that that was even a part um, of the story until you mentioned it. But now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, like there was a lot more concern for that. And so like you as a reader, 
are kind of like, okay, are these questions being asked? Because this is something that I'm like going to need to be worried about later. And so there's just that like extra like anxiety there that just doesn't exist here. I don't want to dig too much into like the plot quite yet because I know that we're going to do that here in a second. But yeah, I just feel like each time like something happened, I don't want to say what's going to happen, you know. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, uh, but it just can, can we just can we just get into spoiler territory? Yeah, here's your spoiler warning, everyone. So if you have not seen it, pause, go watch it. It's on Netflix. I know most of you have Netflix or know someone who has Netflix. Go watch it. Carry on. Okay, Carrie, that's a great <laughs> book, a great movie. Okay, uh, one great movie. If we, uh, yeah. But if we Mr. Harrigan's phone on, <laughs> it's funny because like his phone stays on. Um, that was not intentional. <laughs> um, every time like there's a text message that he receives from, you know, beyond the grave or like a person dies or, you know, some type of like ramification happens um, in in the book, even if it's not a death that's caused by like this supernatural connection I feel like in the book, it felt very tense and you're just like, oh, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Or like, oh my God, like that was real. Um, and, or things felt like jarring. And then in this, it just felt like, and then that's what happened. Yeah. It was like, ah, no big deal. Okay. on to the next thing. And it just felt like the stakes didn't feel as high in the movie as they did in the book, because there was a point during the movie where you were like, I think this happens to someone. I don't remember who, but I remember <laughs> this thing that happened. And I was like, I don't know. I don't really remember. I've probably read a little bit more King than you have since If It Bleeds came out. I don't think I've read any King since If It Bleeds came out. That's not true because I read the graphic novel adaptation of Sleeping Beauties. I'm so sorry. That was only the first half of it, though. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um a book which I really thought that I had liked until I reread the until I read the graphic novel and then I was like, oh, maybe I didn't like this story as much as I remembered. I still like the story a lot, just some of the details of it. I'm like, oh, I don't like the way that that was done. Yeah. I think that Stephen King peaked in his first four novels and then it has just been um a spiral ever since then. But you know what? I haven't read all of his books. Uh, wait, are those the first I, those also might not be the first four. What are the first four? Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Dead Zone, and Firestarter, I think. Unless you want to count Night Shift in there, which is a short story collection. No. Okay. I feel like I was right. What was the fifth one? I'm actually wondering if I'm right now. I think two of those are for sure correct. The Shining. Yeah. The Shining is... I thought that was one of the first four. Maybe it's The Shining and then Firestarter. I, I always get is. them mixed up. Real quick, everyone, I realized while I was editing this that we definitely did not mention The Stand. So this is me just putting that little correction in right here for you all. Okay. I feel very confident and comfortable saying that Stephen King peaked with his first four novels and that he has had some occasional wins in there. And for all of you who are going to come attack me on the internet, the thing is, is that it is good to have people with diverse opinions uh, in... (laughs) close to you um and i haven't read as much um as you have deanna but i feel pretty strongly that his first four works are his best four works and i don't think anyone that's a fan of him would argue with me about that people might say you think that there are people who wouldn't say that the shining and carrie and salem's lot are his three or three of his best books 
That's absurd. Only one of those is in my top five. So what's what what else is in your top five? Dreamcatcher? No, Pet the, Cemetery. It Dreamcatcher sucks. I really liked Later. I, I don't know if I've literally that never heard of that. It's his most recent book. Oh, it's before. one of the later ones. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Um, it's one of his like last three books as of right now. What's the one with the spooky house, the haunted house? There's like, <laughs> it's like a carnival. <laughs> it's like a fun house. Also, I really love Christine, but anyway. Oh, that, that one's good. That one's good. And she's like on the cover. There's a woman on the cover and she's like looking at <laughs> something. I really wish I knew what you were talking about, but I don't have any of my Stephen King books here with me. I think it's fairy tale. I think it's red. Joy. Joy. Joyland. Joyland. It's not red, but there is a woman on that cover and like a spooky house going on. Yes. And it's kind of like red toned. I liked that one. That one's also good. See, I've read some Stephen King books. I don't know why I feel like I have to like (laughs) explain like I know what I'm talking about. Um, Here's the thing. I really like when Stephen King scares me mm-hmm. or does something, even if it's not like scary, that it's like unnerving. And the premise of this story is incredibly silly. It's incredibly silly. Um, some of the details about like how it like actually happens are just bizarre and would not happen that way. That being said, I feel like this movie could have very leaned into either being silly and funny and or leaned in on being really scary and startling. And the tone of it just feels so off. Like, I wasn't scared reading this story, but I was unnerved. And I was, like, always, you know, like, on edge. And, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. But at no point in time did I have that type of connection with with it as a movie. Yeah, King is really good at stressing you out. Yes. Without necessarily having to scare you. And you mentioned Gerald's game earlier. That is one of the most stressful stories I think that King has ever written because of the circumstances. And this, once he figures out what's going on with Mr. Harrigan's phone, everything just feels heightened and more intense and stressful And you don't really get that with the movie, which is a bummer because I really wanted to be like stressed out while watching this, which I know is a weird thing to say. No, I I agree. That's I'm a huge fan of like horror and thrillers and suspense for that exact reason. You know, like I I want to sit in something and I want to like have a feeling and I want that feeling to be like stressful and like make me anxious and then to like just like let it go, you know, at the resolution and I just it's a very straightforward adaptation of yeah the, for the most part of the story like it mostly leaves stuff out it doesn't change changing any, things yeah it didn't change anything it left a couple things out I don't think other than like setting like an unnerving tone at the very beginning I don't know that I think anything that got left out like took away from the film I think it's more just like like the adaptation was great I think it's It's either direction or, like, editing. Like, it just – the tone is just odd. Like, it's literally just like you're being, like, here's an account of some events that happened. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about how you felt about the narration because narration is very hit or miss with me. 
Like when Morgan Freeman is doing it in the Shawshank Redemption, it works. It's so good. When Rob Lowe is doing it in the 2004 Salem's Lot TV miniseries, not ha- good. Have not seen. <laughs> I love Rob Lowe and I don't think that he did anything wrong. And I think you're making that up. <laughs> the narration in this, I think, was was my first note, actually, that I wrote. Which should not be that weird because it's at the it starts at the very beginning, yeah, and it's only ever at the very beginning. Mm, there's a little throughout. No, yeah, was there? Yeah, Auntie. like when he was sitting at the table one of the times, and he was I don't remember what exactly he was doing, but then there was some more narration that came in about like kind of how he was spending his time and like when he was walking down the hallway at school. Oh yeah, okay. I guess I guess there is more. It's not a lot. It didn't feel weird or jarring to me the seven later then. And it's because the voice that you're hearing and the face that you're seeing match. Yeah, but when it's young Craig and then older Craig doing the narration, it was a little disjointed. But it should have been an even older Craig. Mm -hmm. This might be my own interpretation and just like what I had collected when I was reading the story but in my mind he was well post-college narrating it and now looking back on things there is kind of like in the body yes there's absolutely nothing in this story that like sets that up for you or like implies that in any way whatsoever but nothing about it made me like I don't know just when I was reading it and it like sets it up at the very beginning of the story and he's like hey so like here's some you know I'm going to tell you the story about these things that happened to me and that's kind of like how I think about life now um it didn't feel like it was him talking to me like a few days after all these events had happened to him when he was in college I felt like he was like you know like not super far removed but maybe like in his like 30s or something like kind of like reflecting upon like this thing that had happened to him um and then it pivots to his point of view as like a child and then as a as a teenager and then as a college student um whereas this is like it's just just narrated by him the same voice and face that he has as like a high schooler and as a college student um and I didn't I didn't really love that. I thought that that was an odd choice. Um, I feel like you also had an issue with that, and that's why you brought it up. (laughs) Yeah, it was just kind of weird. I don't love it when movies start with narration in general, especially the way this one did. It was just like, here's a day. And I was like, okay. Well, no, because he's like... I wish I could remember, like, he's like, um, he he gives, like, the Oscar Wilde quote, and he's like, he's like, but we didn't read that story when I was in school. Maybe we should have. And it doesn't feel, like, warning it The way it's delivered is just so flat. Yeah. That I almost missed that, like, the implication of it is, like, if I had, if I had, heard this quote and read this story, I might have made different choices in my life. You know, it, you you completely like miss that because of the way that it's delivered. I forgot what it was like 10 seconds after it happened. Yeah. And then, and, and then he just jumps right into like, you know, the whole way I even met Mr. Harrigan was, you know, from church. And then it's just like, like in. Takes you to that day. And takes you to that day, you know, um, where he's, he's reading from the Bible at church, 
church. This is not me not knowing what the Bible is. This is me not remembering what happened in the movie. I think I believe he's he's reading a passage of of scripture from from the Bible. Um, That's what and, I fi- figured. And uh, I, well, I don't know, like. I mean, I'm not familiar with anything that's in the Bible, pretty much. So I couldn't tell you like what exactly he was reading. But he left with a book after he was done reading. So I assumed it was the Bible since he was in church. Oh, I don't know. I'm a Jew and we have a lot of books that are not the Torah. Um, In fact, if we're reading from a book, it's not the Torah because that isn't a scroll. So whenever I watch church things, I'm just like, I have no idea what's happening. Um, Unless it's in the first four books. And I'm like... I know those, but yeah, he like, he reads it and he does like an okay job. And afterwards, Mr. Harrigan comes to, um, the house where he lives with his father. Um, and, and it's like, oh, Hey, like, you know, I, I want to talk to your, to your boy. And he, you know, offers Craig this, this opportunity to come read to him three days a week for $5 an hour because he's now starting to lose his eyesight um, and and cannot really read very well on his own anymore. Um, and then that's how this relationship starts. And he has him reading some, like, stuff, man. Like, And that makes it sound like I think it's crap, and I don't think it's crap. Heart of Darkness is, like, probably one of my favorite books of all time. It's good. He has him read like that as like a child. Um, and then he's like reading it again, like when he's older. And he's like, oh, I didn't think I understood this when I was younger. And like now this is what I'm taking from it. Um, he has him reading like The Jungle, which like I think is really just to showcase that Mr. Harrigan is like a piece of shit capitalist um, who does not give a shit about other people's well-being um, and only cares about like maximizing his own personal profit um, at the expense of others um just based on the way that he talks about the book um yeah he's reading some like good stuff over there it's funny because as soon as it had him reading crime and punishment i was like oh that's the one book i never finished in high school and i just never revisited it oh my gosh okay i love crime and punishment so i actually like i made a note in that part because um he says, oh, yes, I do enjoy the occasional bleak Russian novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought that that was I thought that, that was really funny because it felt like something that I would say, not necessarily about Dostoevsky, but um, maybe about like Nabokov. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it's, a weirdo. It's funny because like in high school, I did not want to read at all. Really? Which I understand is why is a wild thing to say as I am sitting here having read every single Stephen King book. I feel like this episode is more about us like <laughs> learning about each other than it is about the the movie and that's honestly fine. Deanna, were you a reader as a child? I'm interviewing you now. <laughs> I mean, I had books and I, like I read all the Harry Potter books. <laughs> You're like I knew I how to read. <laughs> I had a bunch of like Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys books and I read those. Uh-huh. But I think my issue was I didn't like being forced to read something, which is why I did not do well with like English class in school unless it was a project where they were like, pick what you read. But then you forced yourself to read 5,000 books <laughs> that are 600 pages long. How about them apples? 
<laughs> Here's the thing. Before I started this podcast, I had already read a few Stephen King books. Mm-hmm. So I at least had the general idea that I would like reading the rest of the Stephen King books. And there's only been a handful that I didn't like, mm-hmm. to be fair, out of everything he's done. Right. Like there's Most some that you like find a good. You've yeah, like there's some that you've liked better than others, but Right. And I would say the obvious ones I didn't like Tommy Knocker's Dreamcatcher. I I read both of those. They both suck. I disliked Sleeping Beauties. I thought that I liked it. Which is fine. <laughs> I'm not gonna reread it. It's too big. It is very big and like those were the only three I feel like I actively disliked. <laughs> So that's not bad out of however many he has. It's like 80 now. That's true. I don't know. For me, like if I walk away from like an 800-page novel and I'm like, it was fine. I'm like, I hated that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's that too. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know that I would say that like I, I hate like a lot of, of Stephen King books. Like I feel like I've, for the most part, the ones that I've read, I've really liked with very similar exceptions to the ones that you have, right? Like Tommy Knocker's God Awful. I did not read another Stephen King book for a very long time after reading that. I only read it because I saw it at the thrift store, which is exactly why it was there. Uh, Somebody threw that trash out. And I was like, oh, this is a Stephen King book I've never read. And then I did not touch the stuff again. It's like having like a bad trip. And you're just like, oh, yeah. And then that was the last time I did drugs for years. It took some real big convincing to get me to go back. And I don't remember what got me to go back. I wish I did. Um, but, but yeah, oof, not good. This again, though, it's not bad. It's just fine. It's fine. The movie though, I just feel like feels so hollow. And it's really disappointing because like you got Donald Sutherland (laughs) and it feels like he just kind of went to waste. He's just there. Like we all know he's very good at his job. Mm Mm-hmm. They made him less good at it in this. It's just, there's just, it doesn't feel like there's any like spirit or soul or like heart in this. It's just, it's just straight up like, here you go. I think that a lot of King adaptations fall victim to this or this thing happens where just Stephen King's name being on something is just like automatic, like check basic. Like it's, it's just like, okay, cool. Like go make, oh, you want to adapt Stephen King? go for it oh you want to do children of the corn for the 11th time that's fine but the thing that is like mind-boggling to me is he was a producer on this i kind of feel like at this point in his career he just gets that for being stephen king i don't think he actually ever like because usually king's thing is that he has cameos too. He's had cameos in a lot of his adaptations. Yeah, not all of them, but a lot of them. And I feel like if he had been on set for this, for instance, he would have been like someone at the funeral or, or something, you know? So I feel like even though he was a producer, I don't know how hands-on he would have been with this. Yeah, and I mean, I guess like a, a producer's job is is very vague in a lot of ways, right? Like Usually can... it's like executive producers who kind of just get the title and i wasn't paying attention when the credits rolled i wasn't either but but still right like the planning and the coordination and and maybe even like a hand in casting um which is is he a producer on 
it in any I capacity? think the machetes did most of the okay. legwork on that with casting and stuff okay. too. I was just curious because like it is it is interesting to me. But he is in that. Yes. But it's interesting to me that Bill that what is that kid's name? I'm just gonna call him Bill, don't worry about it. That Bill <laughs> is Craig in this, right? I think that this will be fine because like he's going to get older and he's not going to be like a kid forever, but I don't want to see him fall into this trap of like, I'm the kid in the Stephen King movies. This isn't the first time that's happened either. Like I think someone else from one of the it movies was also in another Stephen King adaptation. Oh yeah. The, the kid who plays the stranger kid thing, stranger things kid not stranger kid thing <laughs> no not not finn um but the the kid who plays mike in the it movies the recent ones he was in <laughs> mike castle, rock. <laughs> castle rock yeah the hulu anthology show based on various stephen king novels not based That's on any one novel dead zone is set no isn't it i mean a lot of stuff is set in castle rock Pretty sure it is. Pretty sure Dead Zone is up there. Part of it. Yeah. I'm just, flex, I'm just flexing my knowledge. Very good book. Very good movie. The movie is good. Not good TV show. Did not watch the TV show. If you, You're punishing yourself. You were in, in, indulging in too much of what you love. Hey, at least I stopped at the third Children of the Corn movie. I'm glad that you cut yourself off for those, but I also feel like your podcast is a lie. <laughs> because you didn't watch them all but i feel like at at one point they like stray so far from like the light um oh yeah two and three have nothing to do with the short story even yeah like they just become like their own thing but like do you really Three takes place in chicago yeah where there's so much corn so much corn yeah i mean i i'm not upset that we watched this i wish it was better I'm not upset that I watched it, but like I, I absolutely could have done without that. Like I'm very disappointed. Yeah, and I think because of how we felt about the story and the fact that I don't really remember the other stories in that collection. I mean, I know If It Bleeds was one of the stories in the If It Bleeds collection, but otherwise, I vaguely remember like the other two stories that round out the four, and I'm just like. This one stood out the most. I don't know if it's because he's done this before, like he did with Apt Pupil, where it's like young boy meets older mm-hmm. man. That one, obviously, much weirder than this one. Yeah. <laughs> much less favorable outcome. <laughs> Even though this doesn't have like the best stuff happening in it, there's a lot of death in this. I mean, there's only three. There's like five. Okay, him, Mr. Flanagan. Mr. Flanagan. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. It's, good, you should, because I was because I was thinking about Mike Flanagan, because I have something else to say about that, and I don't want to forget it. But, but Mr. Harrigan dying. Ugh, now I'm going to call him Mike. Mr. Harrigan dying, I'm not counting, because that's not like... It's still a death. <laughs> yeah, but okay, fine. So Mr. Harrigan dies of natural causes, aka yeah. being old. Um, His mom dies, but it's before the movie opens. Were you so. counting that? No. Okay. Cool. But it's something he's dealing with still. Yes, I meant us. Things that we're dealing with as viewers. So there's those two: the bully, mm-hmm. the teacher, mm-hmm. 
the guy who, guy killed, who killed the teacher. That's three. Who else dies? I mean, that's four. But if you don't want to count Mr. Harrigan, that's fine. Literally, I already <laughs> forgotten the point that I was making. Oh. <clears throat> There's only three deaths in it. We'll go with that. Three, maybe five. <laughs> and, like, I just, they just felt very, like, passed over, like, rushed. And, like, nothing, like, yeah. nothing in them seems or feels very gruesome, necessarily. Yeah, because, one, we don't see most of them happen. No, you just hear about them. We do get, like, a glimpse of the car accident, but not the accident part actually happening. When I was reading the book, I gasped at that part because I was just so upset because, like, I knew he was going to be upset. But then I also knew that I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to – I bet you he's going to get his phone back out, like, and he's going to contact. Yeah, like I said, everything in the story itself was just, like – so much better at getting a reaction from it sounds like both of us while we were reading it versus this we both kind of just sat here we laughed a few times at a couple things yeah but that that was it and like i've watched enough movies with you now to know that you react to movies (laughs) while you are watching them especially horror movies yeah even if i don't think that they're very good like and i don't know if i can even call this a horror movie it's 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 a thriller I guess no it's not I was not thrilled (laughs) I just mean technically speaking I don't know what genre this would be boring drama there we go I was not thrilled I was not horrified I was not spooked in any way like I just I didn't feel anything it was too bright too like the the, like it was always daytime and (laughs) I don't know if that was the case in the story necessarily it's an odd choice like eh, give me some cloud coverage or something like i don't yeah, know it's like, like it was dark when he got beat up outside at the dance in the well-lit parking lot yeah where there was conveniently a van parked for the kid to throw him against <laughs> could have been catering for the dance we'll just go with it but sure whatever but yeah i don't know it just didn't hit the way I wanted it to, but I, I, I don't even know what else to say about it, but I know you said you had a Mike Flanagan thing you wanted to say. It wasn't that I wanted to say it. It's that I have been in my brain ever since you said, we like Mike Flanagan. And I was like, who? <laughs> and you were like, here's some examples of things that he's done that I know that you like. And I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. It's because I don't know the difference between Mike Flanagan and Ryan Murphy, who is my enemy. I'm slightly offended by that. You know... I'm offended for Mike Flanagan. (laughs) I have trouble with people's names. Um, I mean, that's fair because they kind of run in not necessarily the same circles, but... But but sort of similar, right? Like, they've both done, like, anthology series that are meant to be, like, frightening. Is Ryan Murphy associated with this in any way? I don't think so. So the only reason he was in my brain is because I don't know the difference between him and Mike Flanagan. But but that's why I was thinking about him earlier. It's because I was trying to be like, he's not the American Horror Story guy, is he? Mike Flanagan is not. Ryan Murphy is. Yeah, I know know that. But that's why (laughs) when I was was still in the middle of trying to um, figure out the difference between the two of them and who had done what. 
you know those little like uh, shape sorting games when you're little and it's like one thing is in the shape the hole is the shape of a of a of a cube or a square and the other one is like a circle and so you're like you know that the spheres go in the circle and the cubes go in the square but you have to figure out which ones are cubes and which ones are spheres <laughs> that's what I was doing and I was like putting them into buckets and then you asked me a question and then I called Mr. Harrigan Mr. Flanagan amazing I could have said Ryan Murphy because then when Ryan Murphy dies, I knew you would have been really confused. Do you have anything else about I, Mr. Harrigan's phone? I think we're both fairly disappointed, unfortunately. I know that I, I talked about this when we talked about the story, but like I just absolutely hate that um, it's connected to the phone itself. That like somehow for some reason... It's that specific it's phone. It's that specific phone, and it wouldn't just text the number. That being said... I am currently thinking about this now, so I might be changing my opinion on this. But I'm wondering if the reason for like the deep connection there is because this is the phone that he had when Mr. Harrigan died. Like he had the phone on him. Mr. Harrigan was in the process of calling Craig as he was dying. And so like when he gets there, like his his, you know, dead thumb kind of like moves a little bit forward. Um, and, and completes the action of calling him, which is what he was in the middle of trying to do. So, like, maybe that has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, or the fact that, like, he he bought the phone with the money he won and on the scratch-off ticket. Wait, no, he didn't. No, he didn't because his dad bought him the phone. So, yeah, I had to no, just... he did because he said... He bought Mr. Harrigan's phone with the scratch-off oh, money. Yes. His phone he already had. Right. His dad gifted him his phone, and then he bought Mr. Harrigan the same phone. And I'm wondering if it's because it was the same phone, and then once he upgraded to... It was a different kind of iPhone. I guess. I don't know. I just, I've always thought of Stephen King as a very intelligent person, um, even when it comes to like modern issues or like technology, right? Like, you know, like I, I. He's been more progressive than a lot of authors his age. <laughs> yeah. Like he definitely, he like keeps up with what's going on. And so it just felt like very odd. Yeah. To me that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably, I'm, I'm thinking like way too much about about that but like that's the type of thing that like i love like you know falling into this like hole of um and it just i don't know it just it doesn't hit it doesn't hit for me yeah it's kind of disappointing <laughs> it was i i wanted it to be to be better because i think that there's just like there's too many not great adaptations of of king's works and this isn't it's not a bad story you know and i think that this could have been really good it's just the tone is just really odd yeah i would agree with that and having watched all of the netflix adaptations of king stuff i would definitely say gerald's game is like far and away the best of the few of them oh for sure and i've only i've seen all but one of them and i would wholeheartedly agree yeah so I'm not saying they should stop doing Netflix adaptations, but I think they need to pick better stories, honestly. I just, I don't even think it's the stories. I really don't think it's the stories. I think it's that they're being directed and edited and then like put on the TV in this way that just like is, it just lacks heart. Like it's, it's like a crappy, like it's, it's Netflix has made some really great stuff. Um, yes. And they've also made some absolute crap. And it's usually when it's crap, it's something that feels hollow and soulless. And I just want less of that. 
It feels yeah. like a made-for-TV movie. I guess maybe because I didn't love the In the Tall Grass story to begin with. Like, that adaptation just didn't do anything for me. 1922 was fine, as far as I remember. I don't remember how much I liked the story itself, because that one I read quite a while ago now. But what, what, Which one's that one? 1922? Yeah. It's about this guy who is living, like, on his farm, and a neighbor wants to buy it. And I have like, seen that one. There's a there's there's a cow and a well and a bunch of weird stuff going on. And I did see I did see that one. Okay, and that's why I was like, wait, tell, what, 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 what? but it just like you watch it and then it's gone out of your mind. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it except for the guy was old. There, not like old, not like old old, but like older. Yeah, they made Thomas Jane look pretty old. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's literally all I remember. But like the the color scheme on it and like the tone of it, I think are much more fitting of the story that it's trying to like yes. tell. Same thing with like in the tall grass. Like the tone of it is is there. And this one is literally just not. Not. Like it, it could be any any movie. Thumbs down. I wanna come back and talk about something that I like. Cause I feel like I haven't loved we can do something that you like i mean i've done everything already up through this so i I don't mind talking about other stuff again like i'll revisit something with you (sighs) but like do we want to do that like why can't you just like put out something that's better or somebody make a better adaptation we were supposed to get salem's lot it got pushed to next year and now it no longer has a date i yeah i know (laughs) so it might be a minute before there's something <laughs> that's why i'm saying we could just revisit something in the meantime yeah i i also i would be curious to like what happened do you know what happened that stephen king wrote this story like because like i know he's very much like i mean he writes every day because mm-hmm. that's his job i respect that a little bit sometimes i have mixed feelings about it he's from maine and that tracks but like i don't know like i feel like a lot of his stories it's like oh like this thing happened and then i sat down and i wrote an entire book like my kid almost got hit by a car and i sat down and i wrote pet cemetery like yeah and so i'm like did he have like a bad interaction at like the apple store and then he like sat down and like wrote this like story and just like oh there you go because it's I've never gotten a feeling from him that he's like a technophobe, like in any way. No, he's like you Zoom to go on podcasts Ex- and yeah. stuff now. So he's definitely like kind of and he's keeping not an- with he's it. He's not anti-social media. He's on social media. He's right? on Twitter all the time. A- exactly. Him and Elon are having a time right now. Oh, God. <laughs> I just, I don't even, I hate that man so much. Oh, I know why you kept thinking Ryan Murphy. Because he was originally attached to this adaptation. With Blumhouse. But then that changed. That did change. Why did that change? Oh, no. Maybe he did still produce it. Um, While she's looking that up, I'm going to tell a little story about something that I did while we were watching this movie. And um, when the credits roll, typically, I I guess I would have expected to it to say, (laughs) based on the story by Stephen (laughs) King, and instead it said, written and adapted for the screen by... John Lee Hancock. And I said, that's not true, because I thought it said based on the story by John Lee Hancock, um, because I 
can't read. And this was produced by Blumhouse and Ryan Murphy. So that's <gasps> probably why you were getting confused. I did it. As you can tell, I did not pay attention to the credits whatsoever. I'm pretty sure I literally like this ended. I got up, I went to the bathroom and I made food. <laughs> I, okay. I knew I had that in my head for some reason. I wasn't crazy. Valid reason. I wasn't crazy. You're not crazy. I have very mixed feelings about Ryan Murphy. That's fine. He's done some stuff that I've really loved, and then he's also done some stuff that I really just not. I think most of my experience with Ryan Murphy has been American Horror Story. Yeah. And some of the seasons are hit or miss for me. Like, there are seasons of that show that I really love, and then there are seasons of that show I'm like, what is this? I loved them until I just stopped caring. Like, I watched all the way. There's so many of them. Yeah. Um until I got to, like, Roanoke. Roanoke was the first season that, like, I struggled with. Mm-hmm. I only watched the first, like, two or three episodes of it. And I just, like, couldn't couldn't make it. I just couldn't connect to it story-wise. I think I even had trouble, like, following it, and then, which I think is just because I wasn't invested. And I just, like, never went back and never watched um, it again. But I feel like he says some things occasionally that are very, like, odd and off-putting to me. See, I don't pay attention to like what he's said. I just know he's the American horror story guy and that's like I'm gay and I'm really into horror stuff. So like the things that he says just like fall, fall in front of me um everywhere, you know. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I live in the world. I don't apparently. You know what? This was fine. It was fine. If you made it give it a two and a half. I don't I think I'm gonna sitting at like a two. That's not that far off. I think I'm sitting at it two that's out of five just fyi for everyone we're going by letterboxed standards here oh yes just to clarify for everybody (laughs) two out of five i think is where i'm sitting i just i feel like there are better things to to watch or to spend your time on i wish i was coming with a recommendation of what i would watch instead but i don't know that i have one i mean if 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 you're listening to this episode and for some reason you haven't seen Gerald's game, like that is a much better use of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a uh, similar runtime, uh, still a King adaptation, still a Netflix movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this and you've made it to this point, you've probably already seen it. And so I'm sorry that I couldn't spare you, but maybe you're one of those people like Deanna and then you're just going to consume it anyway. Cause it's Stephen King. Yeah, probably. Um, I think we're wrapping up here. Unless... I think we're done. I forgot how to podcast because we're doing this in person. I was like, what is this? What am I doing? But Becky, thank you for sitting in my living room. Thank you for having me. 